Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you ever have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at newsongplymouth.church. It is the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. We're going we're gonna to kind of jump into our, our word for the day, our, our message and, and if you were here last Sunday, you, you know that Pastor Justin began a series called Supporting Roles. And, and what we're doing is we're trying to highlight some of, like, not, not the major characters in, in, in Scripture, but who are some of the people that maybe are lesser known, that, but really made a, a gigantic impact? Really, who are some of those unsung heroes of the faith that maybe you might recognize their name, you might have heard of them, but you're not necessarily sure how their whole story really did Play out, and so that's what we're going to do today. Is we're going to talk about another one of those kind of unsung heroes of the faith, and and literally, history is filled with millions of believers who none of us are ever going to know. Like none of us will ever know their name. None of us are ever going to know what it was that they did to advance the cause of Christ in the world. But literally, over the last two thousand years, it, it it is history is filled with tons of people that when we get to heaven someday, they're going to be able to share their story of what it was that they were doing to help advance the cause of Christ. And, and, and I'll tell you this, we have a ton of you right here in this church too. That we, we have a ton of people every single week that just pour in week in and week out in this church advancing the cause of Christ. And, and I'll, I'm going to give you just one example, and I hope they don't get mad um, for me embarrassing them a little bit today. But this past Tuesday, we went down to the Wabash campus, and um, that, that building needs some help. It needs some work. It's an, it's an older building. It's kind of been neglected over the years, and, and Mike Hoover and Ted Clark came down with us as a staff, and I tell you, they worked their tails off at, at that church. Mike was, we were calling it the dungeon down in the basement. He, he was replacing the sump pump, because you know all the rain we've gotten this, this spring, and there was water down there. Mike was down on his hands and knees in just this muck and gross and all this, replacing some pump down there. Ted was out just working like a beast, just trying to take care of some of the landscaping. And, and, and I'll tell you this, they came down with us and it was a tremendous blessing. And they didn't do it for me to recognize them here this morning. And they didn't do it for recognition from them. In fact, they don't know anybody that goes to that Wabash church, but they just saw, man, there's something that needs to be done. I have a gift, I have a skill, I have something that I can contribute. And they were willing to just work and go about and do what it was that needed to be done that day. So I just wanted just, just, to, just to recognize Mike and, and Ted and just thank them. Yeah, absolutely. Those, those unsung heroes of the faith. And, and, I, and I'll tell you, I was, I was doing the math last Sunday it, just as I was, I was listening to Pastor Justin, but I was kind of thinking about what I was going to be sharing with you today. And, and, and I, was, I, I just kind of did a mental count of, how many dream team members, how many dream team volunteers does it take to do Sunday morning church here? And I came up with 90. We, we have 90 people every single Sunday, and that, that's our, our ushers, everyone who works in the kids area, We're our kids check-in team, work at the bookstore, uh, I mean, greeters, 90 people, our worship team. We have 90 people on a Sunday who get up early and are come here and they serve you, and, and they don't do it for the recognition and they, and they don't do it for, you know, the, the applause or the praise. They do it because they love Jesus and because they love you. Because they love Jesus and, and they love you. And, and I, I mean, again, I know I, I'm not 
trying to draw this out, but can we just honor just all of our Dream Team members, everybody who serves every single Sunday? I, I, just, I just want to just tell you how much we appreciate you. We literally could not do church without, without just the people giving of themselves each and every week. So now I, I want to just kind of ask a question to begin this today. Does the, ne- the, the name Gene Kranz mean anything to anybody in this room? Gene Kranz. Anybody? Oh, all right. I, I see one. All right. I'm going I'm to put his picture up on the screen. Does this help? Gene Kranz. Any other takers? Still, still just one? Andy, you win the prize today. I love it. <laughs> Gene Kranz, if you ever have seen the movie Apollo 13, Ed Harris plays Gene Kranz. He is the NASA flight director in Apollo 13. And, and literally, Gene Kranz, he was, he was the flight director for NASA from 1964 through 1974. So all the, all the lunar landings, the manned lunar landings that we had, all of this. Gene Kranz was the guy kind of running the show down here uh, on Earth. And, and everybody knows the names Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin. Like, we, we all know who they are, and, and rightfully so. You know, the two first guys who ever walked on the moon. Well, Buzz Aldrin and, and Neil Armstrong would not have been able to walk on the moon had it not been for Gene Kranz. And, and literally, thousands of other people made the Apollo 11 mission possible. Like, they're, they're, it, it, the, the story wasn't just about Neil Armstrong. It wasn't just about Buzz Aldrin. It was about Gene and all the other thousands of people that were working at NASA that put the, the, the rockets together and, and, the, and the, the mathematics. And I mean, all of that, that that it took to land these guys on the moon. But there were thousands of people that were working behind the scenes. And, and you know, right, right or wrong, that's really kind of how, how society operates. We'll kind of elevate one or two people to like a celebrity status, but that, those celebrities didn't get there on their own. They, they, didn't, they didn't just happen to, you know, one day, hey, let's go to the moon. All right, let's do it. No, there, 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 were, there were literally thousands of people that were working behind the scenes. And, and I don't, I don't, I'm not using the word celebrity today in a derogatory way whatsoever. It, it's just as, as a way of saying it's, it's the name that everybody knows. Like, like I said, everybody knows Neil Armstrong. Everybody knows who Brad Pitt is. Everybody knows who LeBron James are. They, they are celebrities. But but Brad Pitt and LeBron James and Neil Armstrong, none of them would have accomplished what they've done if it wasn't for all the people who were working behind the scenes. And, and I'll tell you, behind every big name out there, there truly is a cast of characters behind the scenes that have helped elevate them and help them achieve the, the, level of, the level of success that they were able to do, that they would not be able to do what they, what they were able to do and accomplish if it wasn't for those supporting roles behind them. Now, if there's... If there's one celebrity in the New Testament, aside from Jesus, I would have to say that that celebrity, the one, the person who everybody knows, it would be Paul. You know, Paul, you know, he, he planted churches all over the known world. He was, he was a pastor of pastors. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. So if there's one celebrity that, that everybody knows who he is in the New Testament, other than Jesus, it would be Paul. But, but just like I said, behind every celebrity, there are people that were that kind of helped elevate them to that, that platform that they had, to that status that, that they were at. And in Paul's life, that would be a man named Barnabas. It would be, it, Paul would never have become Paul, who we know him today, had it not been for Barnabas and his role in his life. And so that's, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about this role that Barnabas had in really making Paul 
the, the, the missionary, the evangelist, the author of the New Testament that, that he was. And so Paul, Barnabas really plays this indispensable role in the history of the early church. That, that there's, there's, really no, there, there's really no doubting that whatsoever. And, and, and a lot of people in this room, you might recognize the name, you might have heard it, maybe you know a little bit of his story, but you might not know truly the, the impact that he really had in, in Paul's life. So what I want to do is just kind of introduce you to, to when we first encounter Barnabas. Now, to kind of set the, the scene for it, this takes place after Jesus had died on the cross. He rose from, from the grave. He walked around on earth for 40 days, ended up ascending into heaven, and the birth of the church happens. And that's when we first really encounter Barnabas, right at the very beginning, at the infancy of, of the early church. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read for you in, cha- in Acts chapter 4, our first encounter that we have with Barnabas. It's Acts chapter 4, verses 32 and then 36. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So so Barnabas, he was an early believer. He he was an early believer. He came to, to understand and recognize who Jesus was, and he was heavily involved in the early church as it, as it was very beginning. And there's two things that I pull from this scripture really about Barnabas's life that I want to highlight for you. And the first one, you can write this down in your sermon notes, is Barnabas knew the mission was bigger than himself. Barnabas knew the mission was bigger than himself. That's the first thing I kind of pull from our, our introduction to Barnabas here, that, that he sold this field that he owned and he gave the money from the proceeds from that to the, to the apostles. Now, I find this interesting because there's no mention prior to this of like a specific need. They weren't raising money for a building project. They weren't raising money necessarily for other believers. Barnabas just saw that they're, that he saw what the apostles were doing. They were taking care of the widows, the orphans. They were taking care of those in need. And he said, wow, I see what you're doing and I'm in. Like, I, I, I'm totally buying into the mission. And the mission of what the early church was doing, taking care of the widows, the orphans, those that were in need, he said, you know what, that's more important to me than owning this field. And so he went out and he sold that field and he brought the, he brought the, the money to the apostles. He saw that the mission was bigger than him having this field that I'm sure generated income for him. He said, no, 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 I, I, what, what they're doing, what the early church is doing, advancing the cause of Christ, that's more important than me owning this field. He, he was willing to give up something of value to him for something that he valued more. And, and that's really what sacrifice is all about. He, he saw the vision, knew the mission, and he totally bought into it and didn't just nod his head in agreement, but he really kind of put his money where his mouth was with this. And, and so d- does anybody here remember when we were putting this building together and, and finishing up, does anybody remember a guy who came to the church? His name was Jim Scheidler. Anybody in here remember Jim? I, I'll, I'll tell you, Jim, if you're listening, we miss you, man. But Jim, I, 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 Jim had an incredible story where he had been coming to the church just for about a month or two when we were meeting at our old location. We were kind of finishing up the, the, the building here. And for a period of about two months, we were here every single day. We, we were setting up the, the, the lighting, the sound. We were painting all these all these sound panels, we put these together and hung them up. And 
and it's sure good news that OSHA was not here when we were hanging some of these sound panels up because they would not have liked some of the some of how we got it up there. But anyways, but you know, ho- hooking things up, put, putting desks together, all this kind of stuff. We we were literally here every day for two months, and Jim was here. Jim came and joined us every day for two months, and he had he had just begun coming to the church. He hadn't been coming here very long. It, it wasn't like he had been here for years. He, he was just a guy that said, man, I love what you're doing, and I want to help. And I tell you, Jim was here, and he worked circles around people. Like, he, he was just, I, I, I just, I, I couldn't believe the guy. I mean, literally, a guy, he was, I'm guessing Jim was in his 70s, and, and busted his tail every, every single day. Man, I tell you, he was, he was such a blessing. And the sad news was, about, it was probably about two, two months, maybe three months after we moved into this building, Jim ended up moving back out to California. He, he lived outside of Sacramento. But I tell you, man, what, what a blessing this guy was, that, that he had just came to the church and said, hey, I'm in. I love what you guys are doing, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to find something I can do, even if it's, if, even if it's just hauling wood, even, even if it's just putting a desk together. I'm, I'm, bu- I'm bought in. He was here for a brief period of time, and then he was gone. But, but I tell you, the, the thing about Jim was he could have easily just enjoyed his retirement. He could have easily just kind of put his feet up, watched, I don't know, is Maury Povich still on? I, I, I don't know. You, you know, like, he, he, could have just, he could have just, like, sat and, and enjoyed his retirement. But no, he saw that the mission, he saw that what we were trying to do here at New Song in Marshall County was bigger than him. It was bigger than himself, and he was willing to pour himself into that. And so that, that's really kind of the first major thing I pull from, from that, that first introduction we get to Barnabas. The second one, if you guys can put verse 36 back up there. The, this is the, the second major part, and you can write this down, number two. The body of Christ needs more sons of encouragement. The body of Christ needs more sons of encouragement. So if you can put verse 36 up there. That Barnabas' name was Joseph. No, most, but the early apostles, they decided, you know what? He is such a blessing to us. He is such an encouragement to us that, in fact, we're going to change his name. We're not even going to call him Joseph anymore. We're going to call him Barnabas because he's a son of encouragement. He is such a blessing. He is such an encouragement to us that we want to change his name to reflect what his character really is. I mean, can you believe that? Can you imagine somebody coming up to you and saying, hey, love who you are. I'm going to call you something different just because of some character attribute that you are exhibiting. I mean, that, that's what they did with, with Barnabas. And, and I'll tell you this, we definitely need more sons of encouragement in the body of Christ. I, I've, I've been a believer for over half my life. I've been in ministry for over 10 years. And I'll tell you, there are a lot of negative believers out there. There, there are a lot of miserable, joyless Christians, you know, who, oh, you know what, I don't like the music, or the, or the pastor preaches too long, or, or you know, the, the kids these days, they ran out of coffee, you know. Oh, at my old church, we used to do, man, I, I tell you, I, I, I love this. T.D. Jakes, he talks about people like this. He says, man, some people, you know, they act like they were baptized in lemon juice, you know, like they, they just like come out and they're just like sour about everything. But I tell you, it, it's easy to be negative. It, it is. It's easy to point out what's wrong. It's easy to point out the things that aren't right. It's easy to complain and all that. But that's not who Barnabas was. That's not who he was. He was such an encouragement that they were willing to change his name. And, and so I'll tell you this new song. Let's be sons and daughters of encouragement. Let, let's, let's be a group of people that lifts one another up. 
instead of tearing them down. That, that, that is willing to believe the best about others and speak it out. That, that is willing to, to really be a, a support, to speak life. That, that is really going to rally around somebody and say, man, you know what? You got this. I love what we're doing here. Because it is, it's easy to be negative. But it's, you have to be purposeful to be encouraging. You have to be purposeful to speak life into people's lives. And, and I'll tell you this, everything about Barnabas's life is gonna tie back to that first point because the mission is bigger than himself. And, and I'll tell you this, if, if we can be the sons and daughters of encouragement, just like Barnabas was, we, can, we, we start to realize, you know what, this mission is bigger than my opinions. The mission, what we are trying to do and trying to accomplish is bigger than my complaints. It's bigger than my negativity. And so, I, you know what? I'm gonna put myself aside and I'm gonna elevate others. I'm gonna encourage others. I'm gonna lift others up to be an encouragement to them. Now, I, I mentioned just a, a few minutes ago how Paul was really the celebrity of the New Testament. That, that you know, he, Paul is the name that, that absolutely everybody knows. And, and most of you probably kind of know generally what, how Paul came to be. You know, that, that, that Paul, he, he, was a, he was a persecutor of believers. In fact, he, he was a Pharisee. He, you know, he hated Christians, was trying to stamp them out, trying to have believers arrested, having them killed and all this. And he has this dramatic encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus one day where, where Jesus literally knocks him down on the ground, strikes him blind, and he has this amazing conversion experience where, where he goes from being a, a persecutor of believers and a persecutor of Christians to being their biggest defender. And, and, and really trying to, to advance the cause of Christ. And so this, this former persecutor of, of believers ends up encountering Barnabas. And so that, I want to share this with you in Acts chapter 9, that Barnab- excuse me, Paul, he, what he wanted to do after he had this amazing conversion experience, the church was centralized in Jerusalem. That's where all the early church leaders were and all this. So he wanted to come to Jerusalem. He wanted to be a part of what the early church was doing. And so he tried to come, and at first all the, all the church leaders, they were kind of wary of him. They said, nah, I don't know. We, we've heard about you. We, we know what you did to Stephen. We know what you've done to all these other believers. Just, uh, I, I don't know, maybe this is a trick. We don't want you in. And, and so we're gonna pick up there in Acts chapter nine, verses 26 to 28. It says, when he came to Jerusalem, they're talking about Paul, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. They, they didn't know that he, they weren't sure they could really trust him. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord, that, that Barnabas, he was willing to kind of stand up for Paul. And, and I want you to write this down, number three. Barnabas believed in Paul when no one else would. Barnabas was willing to, to believe in Paul when nobody else would. He, I mean, and, and admittedly, this takes discernment, and this takes wisdom. But he saw something. He saw something in this young man. Like mo- most theologians agree that when Paul had his conversion experience, he was somewhere around 30 years old. In, in his low 30s. And Barnabas saw something in this young man and said, you know what, no, 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 I see, I see something great. 
and you know what, I believe in him, I'm going to vouch for him, I'm going to put my neck on the line and say, you know what, I, I'm... Barnabas obviously had, had kind of to some, rose to some kind of status in the, in the early church. You know, where, where they, they heard, they, when Barnabas talked, others were willing to listen. And so it was kind of, all right, Barnabas, if, if you're saying Paul's all right, all right, we might not trust him, but we trust you. So because we trust you, we're going to trust him. Does that make sense? And so he, so he was willing to really kind of put his neck and his reputation, his life on the line for this guy who just a short while ago had been trying to kill Christians, had been trying to, to arrest him and have him thrown in jail. Now, I'll, I'll tell you this. If, if you're a football fan, you probably will know the name Kurt Warner. Right? Any, anybody recognize who, who Kurt Warner is? Yeah, yeah, a, a lot of people in, in the room here. Arguably, probably one of the top quarterbacks of the last 20 years. Um, you know, he, he, was, he was voted MVP twice. He won a Super Bowl. He was the Super Bowl MVP. Has, has numerous Super Bowl passing records. I mean, the guy, was, the guy was great. What's interesting about Kurt Warner is he was never drafted by an NFL team. That, that every, every April, the teams, they, they kind of go through their list of, all right, who do we want on our team? Who are the top college prospects? Who are the guys that, that we're going to kind of bank our team on and try to build our, our team's future with? Kurt Warner sat through the entire NFL draft and not one team picked him. Not one team said, yeah, you know what? We think he's an NFL caliber quarterback. We're, we're going with him. I, he, he sat there all draft day. Not, not one team was willing to roll the dice and take a chance on him. Now, eventually, he was, he was given his chance. He was picked up by the Rams, and he was made a third-string quarterback. So, so not, only, you know, like he, not only was he never drafted, when somebody finally was willing to take a chance on him and said, all right, you can be on the team, but you're only ever going to play if our starting quarterback gets hurt and our backup gets hurt. And then maybe we'll let you kind of have a chance. So like they kind of believed in him, but just barely. Well, it, eventually that happened. You know, through a, a series of, of injuries and all this, Kurt Warner gets his chance. He starts, I mean, and, and literally the rest is history. I mean, he was a phenomenal quarterback. Literally, he was bagging groceries before going and playing in the NFL. He, he worked at a grocery store and, and was bagging groceries like, like a high school kid. And, but there was one team that was willing to, to believe in him, that was willing to take a chance on, on Kurt Warner. And, and I tell you this, this, this was kind of the start of the partnership that Barnabas and, and Paul had with one another, that he was willing to kind of stick his neck on the line and truly believe in that Paul had something to offer, that Paul had something there. So after Paul gets in with, with the church in Jerusalem, the, the church really starts to spread. And, and I'm not going to kind of go into the whole history of, of, of how it happens, but, but the message of Jesus starts to travel throughout the known world. And different cities start to, start to receive the gospel and all this. And, and one of those cities was the city of Antioch. And, and Antioch was not a, a Jewish city. It was not a, a Christian city by any means. It, it was a pagan Greek city. And the message of Christ starts to, starts to penetrate into Antioch. And, and, they, and the, the church in Jerusalem, they start hearing stories about, hey, what, what's going on in Antioch? That people, people are coming to Christ. The, these, these Greeks are starting to become believers. And, and so what they do is they decide they're going to send Barnabas out to Antioch, just kind of see what's going on. I'm going to read to you from Acts chapter 11, verses 22 to 26. So news of this reached the church in Jerusalem, news of, of what was going on in Antioch. 
And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Now, now first of all, that description of Barnabas, isn't that beautiful? He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, who was winning people to Christ. I tell you, like on Father's Day, wouldn't, dads, wouldn't you love your kids to share that description to you someday? Man, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, that many came to know Christ through dad. I, I tell you, what, what a bar that, that Barnabas set there. But did you catch what Barnabas did here? That he, he arrived in Antioch, saw that God was up to something, saw that God was just doing some incredible thing here in Antioch, that people were coming to know Christ, people were getting baptized, lives were getting changed. And what he decides to do, he said, you know what? I want Saul here. I, I want Saul to come join me in ministry. There, I, I think there, God has something in store for Saul. And, and what he decided to do is he went out, he went to Tarsus, said, Saul, hey, I'm in Antioch right now. I want you to come here with me. And for a year, he mentored him and he taught him and he trained him. He, he spent this next year teaching, teaching Saul how to, how to be a missionary, how to pastor, how to lead people. He really kind of took Paul under his wing I'm using Saul and Paul interchangeably. He took Paul underneath his wing and just poured into him for this year. And so the question I have for you, number four here is, who am I pouring into and investing in? Who am I pouring into and investing in? Just like we, you know, we stated a few minutes ago, Barnabas saw something in Paul. All right, from, from a very early time, he said, man, there's something special about this guy. God has some big plans. God has some, something really big in store, and I want to call it out. I want to help develop that w within him. And, and so when he, when he w went to Antioch, you know, he invited Paul, and he starts investing in him, starts teaching him, starts training him, starts, starts really kind of pouring his life, sharing all that he is, has learned over these years, and starts just pouring it into, into Paul. And, and so I really have kind of a, a twofold question for everybody in the room. Th those of you especially who are, who are older, maybe you know, you, you've been around the block a time or two, you're a little bit older, you're a little bit wiser. Who are your people? Who, who are the people in your life that you are pouring into? Who are the people that you are, are investing in? You know, who, who, are the, who, who are the people that you see some potential? Just like Barnabas saw some potential in Paul, who are some people that you see potential in? that you could be pouring into, that you could be encouraging, that you could be training up, that you could truly share some of your wisdom, some of maybe the hard lessons you've learned throughout life. There's young people in your, in your world. There's young people in this church that need your wisdom. There's young people in this church that need you to invest in them and to pour in them and to believe in them, just like Barnabas did to Paul. And on the flip side of that, talking to some of the younger people in the room, who's your mentor? Who's somebody that you can look up to, that you see something in them, and, and you know what? They've, they've lived a long, great life. They've been faithful to the Lord. Maybe they've had just a great marriage that you are just envious of, and say, man, obviously they're doing something right. I, I want to learn. I want to find out that secret. Maybe, maybe you, know, you, you recognize somebody that they have 
kids who are all grown out of the house, and every single one of them is serving the Lord. I tell you, they have something they could teach you because obviously they've done this parenting thing right. And so I'm talking to both age, age groups here. Who are you, to the older crowd, who are you investing in? Who are you pouring into? And for those that are younger, who could I reach out to? Who's somebody that I could learn something from? And I, you know, and, and I know it's, we, we live in, in that day and age where we, we celebrate youth and, and all that, but I tell you, there, there are people, I, I, I'm forever grateful for people in this room. Like I have, some, I have some of my spiritual fathers in this room today who've poured into me and saw something in some punk kid who didn't know anything about anything but was willing to say, hey, you know what? I see something in you, and I, and I want to help. I, I, would, I, do, I want to train you. I want to teach you. I want, I want to pour my life into you. I want to share some of the wisdom I've accumulated over all these years, and I want to share it to you. I tell you, if you're younger and you don't have a mentor, you don't have a spiritual father in your life, ask. Be willing to ask. I guarantee you there are people who would love to meet you for coffee once a month, twice a month, whatever it is, and just share life with you. And ask questions. Ask them questions because that's exactly the relationship that Paul and Barnabas had. That Barnabas, he was this guy, he, he was in the church, he was, an, he was kind of an elder statesman in a, in a way. He saw something in Paul and was willing to pour into him. And Paul agreed. Paul said, yeah, I'm, I'm in. So, so finally, we kind of transition then a little bit in, in the story of Paul and Barnabas. And, and I'll, I'll, I, I want to say this. Again, I, I, as, as you read Barnabas' story, the common thread I see over and over and over again is that he knew that the mission was bigger than himself. He was willing to invest in Paul because the mission was bigger than himself. He was willing to be a, a speaker of life and encouragement because he knew the mission was bigger than himself. And nothing encapsulates this, this humble heart that Barnabas had more than this next chapter in, in his life here. And we're going to read in chapter Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. So again, Paul and Barnabas, they were in Antioch. They had been pastoring, leading this church. So now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. So they're kind of just listing who are some of the key players in Antioch right here. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set aside for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. I mean, what, what, a, what a beautiful picture this is right here. That, that there, there was a, a group, a core group of believers, prophets who were gathered together. They were praying, they were fasting, they were worshiping together. And in the middle of this, this prayer meeting that they were having, the Holy Spirit speaks and said, I want you to set aside Barnabas and Saul. I have, I have plans for them. I have something I want them to do. And, and this is the beginning uh, of what's, what we all now call Paul's first missionary journey. Now, I, I want to point something out to you that, that this just jumped off the page to me. And, and it might seem very trivial, but actually I think it's, it's super important as, as, we, as we kind of dissect this relationship between Barnabas and Paul. In Acts chapter 13, this is the last time that they're ever referred to as Barnabas and Saul. They're never, after Acts chapter 13, they're never referred to Barnabas and Saul. Luke, who, who wrote, who, he's the writer of Acts, from here on out, he starts referring to them as Paul and Barnabas. Up until this point, it was always 
Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul. After Acts chapter 13, once they begin this missionary journey, it switches, it flips. And Luke starts to refer to them as Paul, excuse me, Paul and Barnabas. And, and, and I'll tell you this, it, it might seem very trivial, but if you read through Scripture, there, there's a, as you study Scripture, there, there, there's a, a, a technique, it's called the law of first mention in, in a way. And, and really, the writers of Scripture always put emphasis on things that are mentioned first. And so for, for, the, for the first session, the first part of their relationship, Barnabas was always mentioned first. He always got first billing. But then this starts to switch. That once they go on this missionary journey, that first billing becomes Paul. And Luke starts to change how, how, that's, how, how he writes about it. That, that really, Paul had grown underneath Barnabas' leadership. He had grown and, and really had been Barnabas' apprentice for, for all this time. And now, the time had come for Paul to kind of step out out of, out of Barnabas' shadow and really kind of step into the role that God really called him to fulfill that, that call that he had put on his life. And so number five, I want you to write this down. Barnabas was not intimidated by Paul's success. Barnabas was not intimidated by Paul's success. That after all these years of being the mentor and being the leader, being the one that got first billing, Paul emerges and truly finds his sweet spot. That, that, that after all these years of training and investing, Paul kind of arrives at what his, his purpose, his true mission really is, and that was to be a missionary, to travel around the world, establishing churches, and, 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 and beginning, the, you know, that this apostolic gift that he had had in his life, that, he, that grew underneath Barnabas' leadership, now he was willing to step out from underneath Barnabas' shadow and truly be the Paul that we know of today, to truly be that, that amazing leader. And I'll tell you, Barnabas did not resist this. He, he didn't resist it. You know, the, the, he wasn't intimidated by Paul's success. He didn't resent Paul. He didn't, he didn't get upset that, that Paul truly kind of takes over in, in a way. And I'll tell you, that's the mark of a great leader. The mark of a great leader is, is somebody that you don't get intimidated by somebody else's success. You celebrate it. You're willing to cheer them on. You're willing to be their biggest cheerleader. When somebody you know, who was under you goes out and accomplishes way more than you ever could, a mark of a great leader is, hey, you know what? I'm not bothered by that. In fact, I celebrate it. I cheer you on. I couldn't be happier for you in that moment. And in fact, Paul actually kind of talks a little bit about this in Romans chapter 12, verse 15. And he says, you know what? I want you to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. That, that when someone else is experiencing success, celebrate it. Honor them. Rejoice with them. Cheer them on. You know, like, they're, 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 we, don't, we don't have to be territorial in life. We don't have to be territorial within the kingdom of God. That when somebody else is doing something amazing, when there's another church that's booming and winning people to Christ and baptizing them, we, can't, we should be cheering them on. We should be excited about it. Not jealous because, man, why isn't it happening here? Why, why, why isn't this happening? I mean, I, I, seriously, because the mission is bigger than us. The mission is bigger than, than me. The mission is bigger than my ego. It's bigger than my feelings. It's bigger than who I am. And that's, I, I, I'll tell you, that is that common thread. If, if, you, if you read through Barnabas' life, that's that common thread. He, was, he truly 
bought into the mission, sold out to it, and said, regardless of where I fit in all this, the mission is more important than me. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. I, 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 I keep coming back to that first point that I had you write down. Barnabas knew that the mission was bigger than himself. And I tell you, the, the world needs more Barnabases. The, the world needs more people who are concerned about the mission, who are concerned about winning people to Jesus than they are about themselves, about their own name, about their own comfort, about their own bank account or, or anything like that. But when you get sold out to the mission, when you get sold out to the cause of Christ, to, to winning people to Jesus, it becomes easy to celebrate the success of others. When, like when you get fully, like have, have you ever been fully sold out to something before? Like, like I, I, totally carnal situation, I'm fully sold out to the Packers. Like I, 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 I know. But, but I'll tell you, like whether, whether the Packers succeed or they had a year like they had this past year that was just awful. I mean, it doesn't change who I am. I, I'm, still, I'm still a believer, you know? And <laughs> maybe I shouldn't admit that. But, 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 but I'll tell you this. When, when you fully buy into the mission, when you realize what Jesus has done for you and what he wants to do in the hearts and the lives of other people, when you say, man, the what God has called all of us to in this room isn't just, to, isn't just to warm a seat for an hour on a Sunday morning. And it's not just to, you know, I'm gonna come to church just so I can feel good and be ready to go about my day. No, the mission that we've been called to is to make disciples, is to introduce people to Jesus, to truly carry the good news wherever we go. And once we get sold out to that mission, once we fully buy in, it becomes easy to celebrate the success of others. It becomes easy to give our time and our talent and, and, our, and our treasure. It becomes easy to cheer on those around us. It becomes easy to do it not for fame or recognition, but because, God, you, you've called us to something bigger than me, and I'm in. I want in. And I want, I want to pray over you this morning. And I want to pray that God is going to capture your heart like never before. That, that coming to come new song isn't just about gathering together with friends on a Sunday morning. And it's not just about singing a couple songs. It's not just about, you know, giving some money in the offering or something like that. And it's not just about hearing, hearing a message, maybe being inspired, nodding your head in agreement. Way more than that. Like, I, I, I truly pray that God will capture your heart like never before. And say, man, what God, what you are asking of us is way bigger than just New Song Church. It's way bigger than just 1292 Baker Street. It's way bigger than just Wabash. But God, you've entrusted the gospel. Like, like I, I, oh, I'm, I'm, I, Scripture, uh, it's totally escaping me. Scripture talks about that we've been give, given just a precious gift, that that's what the gospel truly is. I'm forgetting the exact verbiage of what, of, of what, what the Bible calls it. But that we've been entrusted with this sacred gift of, of truly sharing the gospel with those around us, whether it be at your place of work, whether it be at your home, bringing up your kids, teaching them to love Jesus, whether, whether it's out in the community, whatever it might be, 
It's been entrusted to you. That, that if you've heard the gospel message, if you've let it change who you are, you, you've been entrusted with this. And the mission, carrying that gospel, this precious gift, everywhere I go is way bigger than me. It's way bigger than my comfort. It's way bigger than what I want to do. And so I, I, I just, I wanna pray for you this morning that our mission of, of, of reaching Marshall County, of creating passionately devoted followers of Jesus, of winning our friends and our neighbors and our family, that we're gonna truly catch on to this, that we can truly have that same heart that Barnabas had, that said, you know what, it's not about me. It's not about me, but it's about you. It's about the mission that you've called me to. So would you just bow your heads? Let me just pray for you this morning. Lord, I, I just want to thank you. God, I want to thank you so much for who you are. God, I want to thank you for your people who are gathered here this morning, Lord, that, that, that what, you're, what you're doing in our lives, what you're doing in our church, Lord. God, thank you for men and women like Barnabas. God, for those who know that they're part in, in the story that, that you are writing, that you're writing, Lord, and God, who are faithfully carrying it out. They're not doing it for fame. They're not doing it for recognition. God, they're doing it because they love you and because they love people. God, we want, we want to thank you, God, for the, for the millions, the millions of believers that have come before us. God, whose names we'll probably never know and really carried that banner, carried the banner of Christ. And, and they've, they've come and handed it off to us today. God, what are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with this gift, this banner that we've been, that we've been handed? God, what a responsibility. What a, what a privilege that you've entrusted to us. God, forgive us for the times that we've taken that lightly. God, forgive us for the times where, where we've been more concerned about us and our ego and our comfort than we have about your mission, Lord. God, forgive us when we've let our opinions kind of cloud us from embracing and living out that calling. Father, my prayer today, God, is that you would give us all that, that same heart that Barnabas had for your mission. God, that we would have that, that laser-like focus to embrace the cause of Christ and, and truly God, sharing that with all those around us, Lord, that we would be the sons and daughters of encouragement, just like Barnabas was. God, give us the eyes to see those who need someone to believe in them, to speak life, to speak encouragement to them. Be willing to pour and invest ourselves into the next generation. And Father, give us that same heart like Barnabas, God, that we would just celebrate the success of those around us. We would celebrate the, the success of people here at New Song, of churches around this, this, this county, around, this, around the world, Lord, that are winning people to you. God, cheering them on, not being intimidated or jealous, but God, that we were just gonna rejoice with those who are rejoicing. God, give us that heart. Give us that heart like Barnabas, that we would lift one another up Encourage them in their walk with you. Father, we love you so much, God. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your patience. God, we don't deserve it, but Lord, you've been so good to us. We just want to thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. As a church, it is our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to newsonplymouth.church to connect. Thank you for all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.